Morning, everyone. If you weren't able to make it to uh, G4 Summit, what a an amazing, amazing time it was. And uh, <clears throat> I went. We went up to Summit Lake. I've never been to Summit Lake before. How many have been to Summit Lake? Up. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're a guest? Yes. That we went together. It was great. Wow. You need to go to Summit Lake. Uh, you can get almost all the way there on roads where you can drive your, you know, your automobile sedan, and then maybe a little quarter mile hike on pretty rough road. But if you have a pickup, you can go down there. It's gorgeous, gigantic lake, and the setting is a Diamond Peak right there. So you got this big lake and Diamond Peak there, and it was just wonderful swimming. That was fantastic, and. Uh, and the preaching was amazing, too. I don't want you to think that I was all about the swimming, but the preaching was awesome. And uh, wow, once again, T.J. Winningham, third sermon he's ever preached, knocked it out of the park again, three home runs, pretty awesome. So it was a great time. So I am refreshed but tired. I uh, got up, stayed up late, went to bed, or went to bed late and got up early. So if I'm a little slow this morning... Uh, if you nod off, I have no problem with that because I was kind of snodding off when Jeff was saying so. Sorry, Jeff. I hope you didn't catch me doing that. So here we go. We're going to take it a little slow this morning. <laughs> Mr. Drillinger, thank you for teaching me God's Word. Amen. Let's get it for Jeff Drillinger. Thank you for teaching us God's Word. All the men for the spiritual feast over the weekend. Bill, Jeff, Matt, TJ, Jake. Kurt, Brian, Brad. Amen to all those men. Let's get up for all those guys that did it. It's a great job. You just put that back in. We'll actually put it up on the wall over there. That'd be great. Justine, for all your hard work to provide the... Oh, to provide the comforts for your family's camping. In other words, your men didn't starve to death. It's great. <laughs> I didn't either. Oh, yeah, and Grandpa didn't either. There you go. Mr. D, your message was awesome with about 20 exclamation points. And it doesn't say who it was, but it looks like one of the, the brag boys did it for you. All right. So is, is uh, Louie, is Julie going to be here this morning? I can save this? She won't. I'm going to read it anyway. Will you give it to her? Give a big hug from... I mean, we got about 30 people here. Give her 30 hugs, okay? <laughs> Julie, you are such a sweet and beautiful mama and one of the kindest, most genuine souls I know. Keep being awesome and striving for the goal. That's pretty sweet. I think your wife is really, really a sweet mama too. But you're a very sweet aunt, right? <laughs> Isn't there, there's nothing cooler than being an aunt or an uncle, man. I'm telling you what, just something about it. Tony! It is so good to see you in assembly this morning. You are such a blessing and encouragement to me. Love, Angie. There you go. Woohoo! Give it up. Woohoo! I hate reading these about myself. It's embarrassing, but somebody else wrote it, okay? Uh, Bill, I know it's been said many times, but you are truly a one of a kind warrior in the kingdom. I don't know where I'd be today if I'd experienced. If I hadn't experienced real love and genuine faith from you and the body at P. Hill, I am so thankful for your passion and dedication, the 24-7 commitment. Uh, I know Jesus is proud of you and preparing a special place in heaven for you. I hope so. Amen. All right. 
Alan, you're a real down-to-earth kind of guy. So genuine and sincere. Amen to that one. You're always ready and willing to pitch in and help wherever you're needed, like the old preacher who needed a cot. I added that on there. Sorry. Uh, thanks for being you. Also, thanks for being the best husband in the whole world. I think I know who that wrote that one. There you go. Let's give it up for Alan. You know, if you haven't spent any time with Alan, he really is so genuine, so real. And I really appreciate that about you. It's great. Tamara, you're a rock of stability in so many lives, and I hope you know how loved and appreciated you and your faithfulness are. Woohoo! Amen. Give it up for Tamara. Great. Desi, you're such a strong young woman, remaining faithful no matter what happens. A true example of perseverance. You're an inspiration, and I can get an amen on that one. Woohoo! Awesome. Oh, and we got one more. We got a card here. And this card is to Jeff and Aween Sharon. And it's signed by a whole bunch of us. Are you ready? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I think we're the ones that are getting all the running over, but we want you to know it's coming back at you, all right? Praying the Lord blesses your, your giving heart in abundant measure. Thank you. So Jeff and Alween have been working out here tirelessly. A little bird told me that this last, uh, what was it? When did you tell me, Ken? <laughs> so anyway, we were, we were making this card go around. So anyway, thank you. Let's give it up for Jeff and Alween. And there's one more back there, Brian. Oh, yeah, that little bird. I don't know it, but I drive bike here two or three times, well, four times a day, and like three out of the four times. I don't see them at two o'clock, but every time after that, they're both here. And they don't know it, so I'll honk at them. So actually, actually, there's three little birds that are... Three little birds are doing all the amazing work on this building, and, and we so appreciate that a ton. So there you go. Uh, little bird wasn't trying to get away with anything, but I was trying to point out the fact that many times when I'm not here, his wife's been coming with him, and she's done some pretty cool stuff around here, like cleaning that sink downstairs, and, and uh, she's pulled weeds before. Um, she's been picking blueberries. She and Jeff been picking blueberries and supplied my wife. Well, there you go. We offered to come pick them, so they didn't have to, but no, they enjoyed doing that. So, yeah. Pretty, pretty incredible. Yep. Amen. And I just so appreciate your wife. What a, what a sweet and solid woman she is. So, all right. Well, let's see. What else do I need to do? Oh, okay. Announcements. Here we are. No G4 Summit until next year. Got that one down. Evening Assembly is at Tamara's house as well as on Wednesday nights. And uh, Thursday Ladies Studies going on. Monday night we're going to uh, be coming back with uh, college-age kids. So everything's set. Now, is Janelle watching this morning? Do you know? Rick, do you know if Janelle's watching this morning? Yeah. Okay, hi, Janelle. How are you? I should have asked you and you could have popped up with something. So we're singing to you. Janelle is 29. <laughs> we'll just go with that one, okay? Here we go. <laughs> Hope you're watching. Happy birthday to you. 
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Woohoo! <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, now, now, now we can get going on the lesson. And uh, serious, I hope I don't put you to sleep. And if I do fall asleep, someone run up real quick and wake me up. That would be great. I don't, I don't think that's ever happened, but, you know, you never know. There's a first time. Jeff said there's a first time for everything. Oh, no, never say never, right? Okay, there we go. Well, we made it. We made it through all the introductory material that's going to give us the foundation for what we're starting now. I know if you study the Word of God, you can absolutely, positively trust Jesus Christ in every way for everything. There's so many people in this world who are in despair because they don't know Jesus. They haven't gone to his word and heard his words and then did a little extra study looking at evidences outside of the Bible that proved that Jesus was an amazing man. He had no credentials. He had no wealth. He had very humble beginnings and he lived a very humble life. And yet he transformed the hearts of thousands, hundreds of thousands, during his time on earth. Whenever you look at the word multitudes in there, that means thousands upon thousands of people were coming whenever he would speak. You know, 5,000 was the first proclamation, 5,000, but that was just the men. There were women and children there as well. And so it's important for us to recognize that we can absolutely trust Jesus. And if you're not sure if you can trust Jesus, then we need to do a little bit more Bible study. And I'm willing to, to sit down with you and how to trust Jesus, how to know Jesus actually follows through with what he says. But now it it's turned to Jesus' people. That's us, by the way. Once again, this bumper sticker seems to have a, a kind of a, a, a reoccurrence. It kind of comes and it goes, comes and it goes. And I always get suckered into reading it. I'm driving down the road and I see, Jesus, save me! You know, dot, dot, dot. I don't see the dot, dot. I go, that guy must be. I got all these real kids. From your people. That's terrible. That's a sick, awful bumper sticker. But so oftentimes, we find people not being genuine, being hypocritical. I'm not saying Christians now. I'm just saying people who go to churches. And they will lie to you. I remember we were going to a church when I was first a Christian. And there was a man who was a sales uh, insurance salesman. And he came in and he looked good, sounded good was good from all you could find out but the only reason he was there was to make his get as many insurance policies written and as soon as he got his quota he went to another church man that's really messed up you know so and he would really put on the show he was a good brother invite people over for dinner 
you know, hanging out with them, doing stuff. But I mean, he was writing contracts like you couldn't believe. And so I don't think we got a contract with him, I hope. I don't remember that, but I do remember that it was terrible. So we need to, need to learn to be trustworthy. To be trustworthy, honestly, is to learn to be just like Jesus. Let's turn to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians in chapter 4. This is the passage I have decided to begin with in studying about becoming trustworthy so that we can be trusted. And you know, you already know the, the four cornerstones of trust, but listen to what the Apostle Paul says here in Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's, there is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let's pray. We're thankful, Father, for the time that we can spend together this morning. And this is one of a multitude of passages that we'll be working on and working through to help us to understand how to become those pillars of truth. That's what the church is. It's the, the pillar of truth. And that's who we are as Christians. We are pillars of truth. But Father, we want to know how to become that pillar, rock solid, immovable, always abounding in the good work of uh, your son, Jesus Christ. Father, so that we might become trusted because we've proved ourselves trustworthy. Father, I ask this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. So we need to learn how to trust one another. That's what the whole next several lessons are going to be about. But why? Why do we want to learn to trust one another? I've shared this before, but it's worth repeating. Sasa Chernitsky in Belarus, when it was the Soviet Union, said that before the Soviets came in, the church was working and thriving. But when the Soviets came in, they shut the church down. And so people were being killed if they were found to be in an underground church, an unsanctioned church. And he said, when that persecution came, many people left. They just gave up their faith. But there were people that remained faithful. And there were people that you could absolutely trust because they were entrusting their life to you and you were entrusting their life to them. And so the church was very strong. In fact, the church would work together to draw other people in. And the church was growing under the, the, the true church. People faithful to Jesus Christ was actually growing under that iron curtain, iron fist. And yet when the curtain opened up, Sasha says it's so hard now because... So many have taken advantage of me and my 
my working with the children, working with the homeless, because they know that I have streams of money coming in to help me. And so they're, I'm not saying that we should have a good persecution, but that's what Sasha said. Oh, what United States means is just a good persecution. It'll clean out the church, and then everybody will be strong and faithful and trustworthy. And I'm thinking, thanks for the encouragement, Sasha. We'll try it a different way. <laughs> but you never know, so you want to be prepared. And so that's what we're doing. How do you get prepared? How do you become trustworthy? Well, you have to look to the one who is perfectly trustworthy. Let's look today at verse 1 of Ephesians and chapter uh, 4 and verse 6. Just the first verse. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, I beg you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now, we're going to work on the rest of that in the weeks to come. But, but it says here, that we need to walk worthy of the calling with which we've been called. Now, what does it mean to walk worthy? To walk worthy. That was my first question when I was looking at this. And so look at your first point there, walking in a manner worthy. What does that mean? Lord, tell me what that means. Because if I walk in a manner worthy of your calling, then I am going to be a man of integrity consistently, always in my work with people. And I'll do that with the right motive. Amen? So take a look. Walk in a manner worthy. What does it mean to walk? I looked these words up and it's absolutely amazing what that means. I thought it just meant to live. Just live your life. When you see the word walk, I just always say it means to live. When I dug a little bit deeper, it actually means to live on purpose with a direction, an end point. Well, that changes the game, doesn't it? It changes that whole meaning of this verse. Walk in a manner worthy. Walk in a way and in a direction that you're going to arrive where you intend to go. In fact, uh, Brad McKinney did a great job. He started his sermon by talking about GPS. GPS. And uh, he talked about, you know, you GPS. How many of you use GPS, he asked. And a bunch of people raised their hand. And he said, how many have ever followed GPS and GPS led you wrong? I have that one before, too. I was going to pick up somebody at the airport, and I was in a traffic jam. So I put in Portland Airport, and it told me to turn around and go south on 205. And I go, okay, maybe it'll tell me to go south and go around some other way. So I did that. Come to find out that it led me to... I don't know, it's like a hospital or something. So, and I had to go back about four miles, and then I'm stuck, and I go, great. So I got back into traffic and waiting. <laughs> Fun. So, so don't trust your GPS on your phone, but you can trust God's global positioning system. God's positioning system. He can do that for you. Now, what's his GPS? You see, it's, it's that position that he wants you to get to so that you're a trustworthy man or woman. So trustworthy that the church can rely upon you no matter what the future holds. Now, I thought it was rather interesting to live and to move or grow in a specific direction or way. And of course, I'm always looking in Proverbs for this phraseology. The way of the righteous, the path of of the righteous. And I found this passage I want you to look at with me this morning that's just like, wow, that fits perfectly 
with what we're talking about in regards to directional walking. So the book of Proverbs in chapter 4, many of you are aware of this amazing, amazing chapter. And I want you to read with me verse 10, verse 10, uh, down through verse 15. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 10 through 15. Listen for the words path. Listen for the words way. Hear my son and accept my sayings and the years of your life will be many. I have directed you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in the upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded or, or slowed down. And if you run, you will not stumble. Take hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked or do not proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Avoid the evil way. Do not pass by it. Do not pass the evil way and turn away uh, from it and pass on. So notice there's, there's two directional paths that you can walk. You can walk in the evil way or you can walk in the, the right way. And notice what it says up in verse 18 and 19. Take a look at that. This is beautiful because there's a promise here. In the first it says, but the, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. So you have the two paths there. You have the path of righteousness and the way of wickedness. Now, brethren, you have that choice in every decision that you would make. By the way, do you have that choice in every thought that you would think? Do you have that choice to think righteous thoughts? Do you have that choice to think evil, wicked thoughts? Do you? What's the answer? Well, of course you do. Notice you have the power of choice. So the direction that you walk is based upon a choice that you made. And the choices that you make will either manifest yourself as a man or woman of integrity, the path of righteousness, or the man or woman of wickedness, selfishness. And then when you go, well, what do you mean don't trust me? Well, it's the path that you would choose. Do you know what the word, and I know I've said this before at least once or twice or a million times, you know what the word responsible really means? It's two words. Response, able. Something happens in your life, and you're able to respond to that either by a way of righteousness or the way of wickedness. You have that choice. Your response, able. Whenever something happens, you always have a moment to think about, okay, now what if it becomes like a, 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 an addictive thought? You still, that thought will have to flash in your mind and you act upon it in a certain way, either the way of righteousness or the way of wickedness, but still, if you'll take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ... Tell me about your words. If you take every thought a captive to the obedience of Christ, what will happen to your words? Let me throw one out there. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, encouraging, building someone up, that it might give grace to those who hear in time of need. Now, could you get that, that scripture stuck in your head? So before you go... I think you're doing a great job. Instead of, I think that literally stinks that you could do a lot better. Okay? Well, could they do a greater job than great? Well, of course, but you don't need to go start that way. 
See, so it's important for you to recognize, as we're talking about here, the your choice and the body consequence. What does the scripture say? And, and Jeff said it this morning. Let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There it is. You make the choice, and the body grows. It says, do nothing with grumbling or complaining, so that you might show yourself light in a dark and perverse generation. Well, guess what? If we decide to complain and grumble against each other and about whatever people are doing, that is not a part of the way of righteousness. It's the exact opposite. So notice, we have a choice in being trustworthy. But who do we need to look to? Who's this actual standard? That's a great segue into my next bullet point. Here we go. In a manner worthy. What does that mean? In a manner worthy. I looked that up and it means a life lived according to a standard. A life lived according to a standard. That's the very simplest definition. But I like the other definition that I found in uh, Thayer's. A life of conduct congruous corresponding to or representative of a given standard of life. What's the word congruous mean? Are any math majors in here? If two angles are congruent, what does that mean? Come on, you know, don't you? Andrew, congruent? What does congruent mean? They're what? They're equal. Yeah. Okay, so you got... You got a 90 degree angle here and you got a 30 degree angle here. That's not congruent. But if you have two 90 degree angles, those are congruent, correct? They're equal. And so I love this. It says a life conduct congruous, equal, corresponding to or representative of a given standard. What's the standard? Let's look real quick. Philippians chapter one. Philippians one and verse 27. There's a whole bunch of them in here. I'm just looking at three that I thought were like, wow, that's an awesome one. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. It uses the same terminology in regards to walk in a manner worthy or conduct yourselves. Look at verse 27. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that, so that when I come to you and see you, I will hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Kind of sounds like, if you understand the gospel, and I think we do, you're actually manifesting a crucified, buried, resurrected, empowered man or woman that looks just like the glorified Christ. That's what it actually means. So... How important is it then to walk in a manner worthy of this particular standard? Well, absolutely, if you're walking by that standard, who are they going to see? But the next verse is even more important because it gives it even a clearer picture. Colossians chapter 1. Just go to the very next, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the next book. Colossians chapter 1. And look at verse 9 and 10. Paul says, for this reason, having heard of your love, he says, for this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that 
You will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. So, if you're a Christian this morning, you bear someone's name. When you were married to Alan, you know that really amazing guy that you talked of earlier, okay? Did you take his name? Mr. and Mrs. Allen, right? Absolutely, positively. So notice, Mr. and Mrs. Bill, Mr. we are one flesh. Compton, I know. We're, you're one flesh. We're one flesh with Christ. And so as we take a look at this, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, if Liberty's going one way and, and Alan's going the other, they're not walking in a manner worthy of that good name, right? Who should we be walking like? Who should we be talking like? Who should we be thinking like? Who should we be believing like? Because when we do that, then we end up becoming a trustworthy man or woman. So let me stop for just a second and say, if you don't read the scriptures and listen to what Jesus says and look at what Jesus does, how are you going to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? So it's not about what you've heard from all the noise out there. It's what does the book actually say about Jesus? You bear the name Christ. What does Christ look like? That's what the world so desperately needs to see. I'd like to get rid of all those bumper stickers. Jesus, save me from your people. I hate that. How do you get rid of it? By walking just like Jesus. That's how you do that. Well, there's one last verse there I want to look at. 1 Thessalonians and chapter 2. Again, just turn the next page. There's the next book. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, 11, and 12. Notice what... The Apostle Paul says here, You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers, just as you know how you we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father with his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So you'd walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So what does it mean to be godly? What do you think? Whose character should you manifest if you're a godly man or a godly woman? Well, the character of God. He's manifested himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard me, you've heard the Father. So again, we need to go back to the source so that we can be trustworthy. I have found in my many years, I'm almost 40 years old in the Lord now, I found over the many years, people want to be told what to believe, but they don't necessarily like to read it to find it out for themselves. Because that is hard work. But if you make it a part of your day to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, that's one of the five Devotions. We should be devoted to the apostles' teaching, which is the New Testament, undergirded by Old Testament. Do you go to the teachings of Christ and the apostles every day and listen and look and think 
about what's going on and how Jesus is dealing with the individuals and where they're at? When you look at the Apostle Paul and he's in prison and he's joyfully encouraging the brethren who are not, you see that there's some really powerful pictures there, brethren, that we can glean in becoming, like Christ, a trustworthy man or woman. Now, I want to transition here to point number two. A life worthy of his calling. That's what it says, a life worthy of his calling. Let's go back to the book of Ephesians once again. Ephesians 4. Ephesians in chapter 4. And verse 1, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now here is where the, the standard is really given. You're going to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. What is the calling by which you have been called? Do you know? God has called you to serve him. But what is that calling? What's that standard? We need to know what that standard is. Well, let's take a look really quickly at just two verses and then I will save the rest of this calling or the rest of this sermon story until next week. But I want you to understand what the calling is. Let's go quickly to Colossians 1. Back to Colossians 1 and take a look, if you would, with me in verse 18. Verse 18. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, there's a great statement here in this verse about who Jesus is. Verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. He's the beginning of the church because he's the first one that rose from the dead. And then when you were baptized into Christ, you were raised up with Christ. So Jesus was the first and we're following in his footsteps. We're being raised up into the very life of Jesus Christ. But I want you now to turn to 1 Peter. This is the calling. 1 Peter in chapter 1. And we're going to take a look at verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9. He says here, First uh, Peter chapter one and verse nine is not the one I wanted. Second or First Peter chapter two and verse nine. Okay, First Peter chapter two and verse nine. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. What's your calling? Your calling is being called out of darkness. Your calling is being called into his marvelous light for a reason, so that you'll proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his light. His excellencies is truth. Remember what Jesus said? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. He manifests truth in every word and in every deed and in every thought. Who do you need to follow then? You need to follow Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light. And then he points to his disciples and says, you are the light of the world. 
Therefore, live so that people can see the light. Your personal light or the light of Christ in you? See, the key is this. If we're going to trust one another, you individual Christian, myself as well, need to learn who Jesus is. Not who you think Jesus is, but who Jesus is. And if you don't read the scriptures to see the embodiment of Christ Jesus, you will not walk like him. The word of God will reveal to you the embodiment of God in the human being through Jesus Christ. Let me beg you, brethren, like we just read, implore means to beg. I beg you, brethren, if you don't have a daily time of reading and meditating and thinking about the word and what it means in regards to Christ in you, then you're not going to grow as God has called you to grow. Brethren, I can't stress it enough. You know, people keep going back to Matt uh, Keikla's message. All the messages were great. Matt's was fantastic. You know what he said? You need to read. You need to pray. You need to live. That was his message. You need to read. You need to pray. And you need to, to live. Is that what we're doing? Reading, praying, and then living it out? Reading it? praying about it and living it out? Man, he brought a great message. Are we going to read it, pray about it, and live it? If we do, then what will we become? The one who is perfect in character, the one who is perfect in competence, the one who is perfect in consistency, and the one whose motive was always pure and selfless will become like that one. And then people will trust us. People will trust you. And when things shake out, as was said, you did a great job this morning, by the way, Logan, because that stuff gets me in the wrong direction, man. Ah! And I go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This is the most powerful weapon in the world. Destroys the devil every single time. He can't handle it. And it helps draw people out of darkness into his light. Brethren, it's so important for us to recognize Read, pray, and live it. Then people will trust you. No matter what happens, you won't break ranks. You'll stay the course. You'll live the life, and we'll grow the kingdom together. doesn't matter what comes. Let's pray. Holy Father in heaven, I'm really deeply thankful for the opportunity to preach and teach, and the freedoms that we have in this country are absolutely amazing. And Father, no matter what the future holds, we know that your kingdom, your church, your body, your people, those called out of darkness into your marvelous light are eternal, eternal. It says that your kingdom is unshakable. Therefore, we are unshakable. We must read it, pray about it, and then live it so that we will continue faithfully. Men and women of truth, men and women trustworthy. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you next week. Let's all get excited. What did Jesus say to you? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right, let's get her done. Thank you. Thanks once again for listening. 
To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.